And I realized then and there, I don't need to do this. Like, I'm doing this for other people, you know. So who's going to go to the Paralympics kind of thing? It's a huge realization. So then and there, I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. Hi, I'm Brooke Melhouse. Welcome to Disabled and Proud, the podcast that does exactly what it says on the tin. Each week, the show highlights an awesome disabled guest speaking about their own disability, why they're proud to be disabled, and why they're proud to be themselves. So, Selfie Hours, welcome to Disabled and Proud. How are you today? I'm very well. Nice to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, thank you so much for coming on the show. It really means a lot. I'm really excited to get into this chat and have a little conversation about para sports and um, becoming disabled and like just general life. I'm really looking forward to it. For sure. Me too. Me too. So the first question that I ask everybody that comes on the podcast is how do you refer to your disability? Okay, so this is this is an interesting one because I have a spinal cord injury um, and a lot of people refer to it in different ways. Yeah. Um, so I suppose it's not always the same. I would say I'm a paraplegic, but that doesn't doesn't always make sense to people. Um, so I'd say either I'm a paraplegic or I'm spinal cord injured or I have a spinal cord injury. Um, and also in terms of disability and disabled, personally, I prefer I have a disability. Uh-huh. Um, that's just... Yeah, me first, disability second. That's my... Yeah, and I think it's so interesting talking about how everyone... And that's why I ask everyone how they refer to it, because everybody refers to their own disability very individually. And on paper, you could have two people with the same disability, but how they refer to it and how they talk about it are completely different. And I think as as that's how I always want to come the the podcast to come across, is that everybody is completely different regardless, even though we're all under this like same umbrella as disabled, it's completely individual. Totally, totally. We're not just one homogenous group and we all like to, you know, exactly. see things the same way. We're, we're humans. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, so you have a spinal cord injury, which having a spinal cord injury then means that you're paralyzed, doesn't it? So, yeah, I mean, that's a good question because spinal cord injury is basically when you you injure your spinal cord (laughs) it's as it says on the tin um for me that means I'm completely paralyzed so I have a complete spinal cord injury yeah I broke my back um 11 years ago 11 and a half years ago I'm getting on now long time ago um and yeah so so mine's a complete injury which basically meant that my spinal cord was like crushed completely so anything below the level of that of the injury I have no movement, no sensation or anything. It's sort of the more extreme version. And the level of injury, my level is kind of T3, T4, which is on the thoracic part of the spine. That like around about your chest area. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So just kind of on my chest, anything below there. Um, So a spinal cord injury doesn't necessarily mean, it means some form of paralysis. Mm Sometimes it's incomplete, so people can walk. Um, sometimes they have full movement, full sensation, but it does affect people in different ways. And it affects other things beyond the mobility. So bladder, bowels, uh-huh. pain, that sort of thing. That's the sort of signifiers of spinal cord injury, really. Okay, so, and I hope you don't mind me asking, but obviously you acquired your disability and and how did that happen, if you don't mind me asking? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so, uh, 11 years ago, 22 year old Sophie, um, I was, uh, 
kind of at a party uh, one evening and I basically was sitting on the edge of a roof terrace um, and I lost my balance and fell. Uh, it was quite a long way. It was like two and a half stories up. Um, so yeah, I basically kind of, I hit my head um, and I broke my back on the fall um, and I broke a few other things as well, like my shoulder and yeah. stuff like that. But the, the biggest concern really at the time was like the head injury, you know, falling from that kind of height. And I basically, so I went into hospital. I went to King's yeah. Hospital then. Um, and then I was put in an induced coma um, because I was in a really bad way. And I stayed in it for like nearly six weeks. Um, and that whole time I was like on a tracheostomy. I couldn't kind of breathe. and. Yeah. Um, so really, really bad way, but the, yeah, the biggest concern was, was about my head injury and what that would mean if I had sort of, you know, a traumatic brain injury, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, they knew that I was like paralyzed and they're yeah. pretty sure they knew it was a complete injury. I hadn't woken up and I couldn't see and, you know, they couldn't see, but, but they knew, I think it was pretty, my spine was pretty screwed. Yeah. Wow. Um, like, but yeah, it caused to fall. Yeah. Two and a half. Yeah. It was a long way. Yeah. Oh my goodness. So oh. yeah, that 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 happened, and then yeah, six weeks later, kind of came around, and um, I was kind of fairly lucid, pretty drugged up because I was on so much yeah. medication and stuff. I was like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that that that's what happened really. The, yeah, the and new you were chapter started there. Twenty-two. Yeah. Yeah. So you were. T- that's quite like a formative age for something like that to happen as well, because you know when I I think back to when I was 22 and I was like in between living in America and here and the experiences that I had between like the ages of 21 and 23 were like so formative in my life and so how did that play out for you? Yeah it's an interesting question you know I speak to a lot of people now you know I work for a a spinal cord injury charity and I speak to a lot of people and I have done over the past few years you know with spinal cord injuries and there's a sort of debate in a way around what you know, when it's a good time and when it's not a good time and stuff. And, and actually it's not, you know, a lot of people these days get injured when they're older, for whatever reason, we're an aging population. People are still active at the age of 65. They fall off a ladder or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and for me, you know, when I was 22, I actually feel like, and maybe this is a mindset thing, but for yeah. me, it was actually kind of a perfect age because I had just graduated from uni before that I'd done loads of traveling. I'd done lots of stuff. I'd, I'd, you know, partied and, and done lots of festivals and all that sort of stuff that, you know, I would have wanted to do. And at that point I had just graduated. So it was career time, you know, it was thinking about work and the way it kind of, yeah, I was very motivated and I wanted to work. um, But it's, I hadn't got started yet and it gave me a chance. I think it's much easier in my mind, it's much easier to adapt at that age than it is when you're older, but I'm very glad that I had that time. I think it's very difficult for a young person. It's, and it's such an individual perspective. You might speak to someone who's injured when they're five years old and they get used to it straight away. So it's not so difficult. So it's very individual, but for me, it was kind of a perfect time because I'd done lots of stuff. I, I, you know, I, had a chance to go a bit crazy and travel and and traveled properly kind of backpacked and yeah you know I went and lived in like Africa for like four months and stuff like that so I've you know which would be pretty difficult to do now to be honest um yeah, yeah. so uh, it was a good time I think and I think it's interesting that you say that 
it was like around about the time that you wanted to start your career because that's like leads so well on to what I was next going to ask is how has your disability then like impacted or shown itself in your career because obviously you now work for a spinal cord charity but I, I don't I'm completely presuming here I, I can pretty much guarantee that that's probably not where you thought you were going to be came out of university <laughs> like, yeah so, definitely not so like how and like you said it was the perfect time for you because you haven't you've, you you want to start in your career world but obviously like you you quite haven't quite just yet you've like just graduated and so how has it shown itself and how has it been present yeah so it's probably I'll tell you the story of how I got to where I am kind of in my career in a way because it's yeah it's kind of a it's a bigger story than just just why I have this job really in that so I was 22 and at the time I was working in events that's what I wanted to do I was really passionate about that um and then literally in hospital I was like I was really right in there getting jobs doing internships and all that sort of stuff Mm -hmm. and I realized in hospital I remember this being like okay yeah events is not going to work really I don't want to do it like this I I think it's going to be really difficult being a wheelchair user um and you know going on site visits and all of you know running around all that sort of stuff so that's not going to work I had thought for some time about doing teaching it was kind of you know I enjoyed school when I was younger so I I wanted to yeah, I, I thought, okay, maybe that's a good thing to do, you know, being a, uh, in a wheelchair, you know, I yeah. could kind of inspire some kids. And I think that would be something that would be possible. And I was also quite optimistic at that time, you know, I was very much kind of blue sky thinking and thinking, yeah, education, that's a sort of inclusive, um, you know, environment and all that sort of stuff. So that was my plan. And I was pretty focused when I, I was in the spinal unit so I was there for a few months after getting myself you know sorted learning how to do everything again how to dress yeah. myself how to you know get onto the bed and onto the toilet all this sort of stuff those things that you have to learn um and that time I was I was I knew what I was going to do I was going to go and do a PGCE um sort of sometime after I'd got out of hospital not straight away because you know but so basically, probably a year after I left hospital, I started, I like got a place on, on a PGC course in London. Um, and yeah, optimistic Sophie didn't didn't realize what was coming. It was <laughs> it was super, super intense. And it was it was um, PGC tends to be, you know, they put you in quite tough schools, um, yeah. you know, give you kind of a, a, a chances yeah I don't know that that's the that's the thing really so that was quite challenging you know behavior management is really really big big part of it um so you know and it wasn't necessarily I think it was very early days for me to be doing that you know I just got out of hospital really I was just figuring out who I was now I'd lost a lot of confidence Mm -hmm. um and it was good for me to have that focus and I really enjoyed the kind of academic side of things you know like learning about child psychology type thing and yeah. I did really really enjoy that it was great for me because all my friends at that age they were busy and doing their doing their jobs you know they were kind of cracking on and yeah um so it was good for me to have that um I also when I had my injury I and I hit my head I lost my hearing in my right side mm-hmm. which ha- actually 
is has been more of a, a pain in in many ways than not being able to walk because it's you know yeah. you find yourself in a busy situation or whatever it's so yeah all in all it was it was challenging for sure it was good to have that focus so I did that yeah I got through it because I'm super determined like it was ridiculous but I did get through it and I passed it yeah. and all that sort of stuff but along along the along the way I basically I went skiing with backup spinal injuries charity the one I work for now yeah. um but I, they run some courses and they run a number of different services one of theirs is is courses so um I went away uh with them like literally a year after I was injured like super super early mm-hmm. um but I knew I wanted to do something like that um you know it would be a great way of kind of getting out of the comfort zone yeah. and meeting some other people and all that sort of stuff so went on that totally changed everything transformed completely you know, like change your direction well it didn't change my direction but it changed my perception about my life and what my life could be like really because it was too early to to dictate what my direction would be I was literally just like okay what is this yeah yeah like what is what is what is this life now who am I now kind of thing so I did that and then along alongside my PGC every whatever I could I would go skiing like try and you know, figure out how I could get out away or whatever. Mm. And then finally got to the end of the PGC um, and I needed a break. I needed to get away, had some really start, hard stuff happening at home besides that. And so I decided to go out for a whole season to go and like ski, basically mm-hmm. like a gap year kind of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like a, like a gap year Mark two kind of thing. And, and Who doesn't love a gap I knew I wanted to, Hundred percent, like you know, it was my excuse to to get to do that again. New new Sophie's one, um, so yeah, I, I went away for like five months, and I was like living in not particularly accessible accommodation. I was on my own, you know. I went out there on my own, but there's a big community out there and big mm. disabled skiing sort of um, center, and it was just the best thing ever for me. It was hard. It was like kind of yeah. scary and challenging, but I knew I needed to do something like that. Like I was living with my mom at home and I was very well looked after and she was, you know, taking good care of me, all that stuff. But I didn't, I didn't want it. You know, I wanted to like find out who I was on my own kind of thing. So kind of long story short, teaching and skiing, skiing one, carried on skiing for a while, started racing for a little bit um, and then finished that off and, alongside skiing I would do a bit of work for the for the charity like in my mm-hmm. summers and stuff um and they're an amazing charity you know they, they transform lives so um yeah that's kind of a a potted potted <laughs> history of that really but yeah when I decided I had this sort of realization that I didn't want to carry on ski racing anymore that it wasn't you know it wasn't what I wanted to do um and then came back and there was a job in the mentoring team and yeah so that's so that's where I'm at now I really it, yeah. love how you've completely glossed over the fact that you skied for GB like that was not mentioned <laughs> once during that <laughs> so obviously skiing became really important for you you became really good you ski for GB and then you're able to go on to work for the charity that you work for now which is like it's a very like lovely round circle story but skiing for GB like how was that like that's like you've completely glossed over it and I'm like oh my gosh Uh like talk about it because I think it's like incredible achievement 
Well, I kind of glossed over it because, I mean, I guess your question was around like work. So it was about how I was, how I got, true, true. got there. But um, yeah, I mean, so skiing for me was just, it was kind of like the gate that gave me the insight into what life could be like and the freedom mm-hmm. that was was possible. And it really changed everything for me that, you know, and it was just you know, I'm an adrenaline junkie. Like I say that, like I'm in my office right now and I haven't done anything that's really like exhilarating for way too long. (laughs) I spend too much of my time working. Um, But I am really to the, to the core that's, I love doing that. I love taking risks. I love going fast and and all of that stuff. And, you know, being a wheelchair user, you just don't get those opportunities. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's just, you know, you just you just don't you have to seek them out basically um and so that experience for me you know being in the mountains being in you know in this incredible setting and being able to kind of be on the snow and be free you know that's what it came down to is being free and being independent and 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 also you know the the thing with I think a lot of people with disabilities you know it's I've had conversations on my podcast about this before and it's kind of it's tricky because people don't don't see that you might want to have to try at doing something I don't know that's not very well well articulated but do you know what you mean I I wanted to I wanted to push myself I wanted to have a challenge I wanted something that to be difficult and for me to to fight yeah because my body's limited in what it can do and you know there's not you can't push your body in in London, in the streets of London, really, you can transfer and that's that's where it stops, you know. And I think people, you know, they don't want to see you struggle kind of thing, no. but I wanted to, I needed to, I needed to test what, what I could and couldn't do. And, and in many ways, it really sort of changed my life. It changed my life kind of physically to be, you know, I was training hard. I was, you know, I'd when I was, I was on the development team, GB development team, and we'd mm-hmm. go on like training camps. I'd, I'd go away in the winter. So I did for like four seasons, maybe not full season, but like a few months at a time, two or three months kind of thing. Yes. So in the winter, I'd, I'd go away and ski every day kind of thing, try and have a, a day off per week or whatever, but yeah. you know, it's hard when the got a bluebirds to high and the, and the powder's out, you know, really hard. Um, and then I'd come back and go away for training camps kind of, once a month at the height it was you know it was intense it was a lot and you know time in the gym and all that sort of stuff but that time was so great for me to understand what my body can do you know and having the level of injury that I have it's you know I don't have any core basically and skiing is hard sit skiing without any core no one does it with my level of injury I mean yeah. competitively very few do because it is really you get more points your you know your uh, classification you get a higher factor but that's for a good reason you know um so it's hard and it it was great for that you know in terms of the understanding myself and my limits and all this sort of stuff but um it was very it was difficult you know I was pushing myself a lot and I I was quite hard on myself um and I was pushing myself to, you know, I had this sort of idea of what I wanted to do and where I needed to be that success looked like for me. And uh-huh. it was kind of like going to the games kind of thing. That was that was what needed to happen, you know. I was fixated on it. and I'm smiling and laughing so much because this resonates 
does it like so much with me so when you were talking about how you needed to kind of struggle at something and I completely agree with that because I know exactly what you mean and I think it's when you are in a disabled body around you people do not want you to struggle because they perceive (laughs) your life as a struggle anyway regardless of whether it is or it isn't your the view of someone else that they have of you is that oh they they struggle so therefore they don't need to struggle more so they don't need to push themselves however that's complete bollocks (laughs) like I I'm competitive in CrossFit so when I first started, I, there were things that I definitely was not able to do, probably shouldn't have tried to do because I didn't have the strength. And it's in that struggle that you find what you're good at. Right. And I'm pretty sure that's the exact same for you. Mm. So like, I completely understand what you say when you said like, you, you kind of have to struggle to find out what works for you and how your body works and, and how you can make it work for you. And like, build your picture of what success looks like in terms of that sporting field and this is not necessarily to say that everybody who's disabled should try sports because it's absolutely Mm. not it might not be your thing but in disabled sports particularly like it is better to struggle because you find out whether you you can do it I think you know what you're saying around sort of struggling and testing yourself I think for me it kind of comes down to like comfort zone and I think actually it's (laughs) it's for everyone like disability or not I'm such an advocate and I think most people are probably around getting out of that comfort zone and you know in terms of sport you know it's, mm-hmm. it's kind of pushing yourself and testing yourself and taking risk and seeing what you can do but I think and, and that's where how you see where the limit is you know yeah. your, your potential and where you can go with it if you don't push it and stretch it and step out of that comfort zone you 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 you're here you know you can't see out of the, I mean, this is a podcast, so no one's no one can see what I'm doing. But um, <laughs> you, you know, can't you're, see you're, past you're the blinkers. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And yeah. w- what's really funny is like how you're talking, like you know, what your success is is that you wanted to go to the games. Is that for the entirety of this year, I've said to literally everybody that I've worked with, I want to place at this point in in the world, and if I don't place there, I will be upset. Mm. <laughs> It's funny because the semi-finals for the CrossFit Games are coming up this weekend, which I have a spot in, which is incredible. Wow. Like congrats. so good. It means that I'm like the top, top like in the top 20 in the world, which is insane. Like I'm and I'm so I'm so happy about it. But because I've had COVID, there is absolutely no way this weekend that I will be at my best performance. And it's it's just it's not gonna happen. Like I will not be at my best. There are six workouts. And so when you're saying like your success is to be at the games and I'm like, my success is to like move up five places, but it's just not gonna happen. Mm. <laughs> and it's that acceptance of that as well and and trying not too hard to pinpoint that as success. Mm, and so as you're completely. talking about it, I'm like speak more because you're speaking to yeah. myself. <laughs> oh my God. Well you know this is this is sort of this is part of part of that story really because so I'll tell you the last season I was out I was like so fortunate I was out in America I was in Colorado like freaking ski capital kind of thing just incredible so so privileged that I could be there I was out for that last season and I was really unhappy and I was so conflicted because I was like, I feel so freaking ungrateful. Like, I'm not happy. And, you know, yeah, I'm living this dream kind of thing. But I just wasn't. There was something that wasn't quite right. And, you know, I would practice would be fine. You know, I'd, I'd get down. It would be all good. Yeah. Race. and Not not amazing, but but fine. But race. My head just wasn't wasn't there. And I would just, 
you know, screw up and, you know, come out or whatever. It just, it, it wasn't kind of coming. And I was at this race in America, in Colorado, and I think we did an inspection or something. And I think I was on the lift or something like that. And, and I, I just skied down or, or maybe I didn't ski down the course and I went back into the locker room and I just had a panic attack. And I was mm. like, I realized like then and there that actually, you know, the person that I met in, in, when I was in hospital that told me about that ski course, you know, she was amazing, a real, real inspiration for me at the beginning. Yeah. And, you know, it has been since. And she went to the games and I know, knew a few other people. And they were the people who were out there in Colorado that I was kind of learning from and that I'd got mm-hmm. to know at that stage. That's what I thought success looked like. And that's what I thought my journey had to be. And I thought that by reaching the Paralympics, I would have that platform. I would have whatever I wanted to, you know, achieve or whatever. But this realization was, I don't have to follow their path. I can carve my own destiny. Uh That's what it was. And I realized then and there, I don't need to do this. Like I'm doing this. It was part, it was for other people, you know, so it's going to go to the Paralympics kind of thing. I, I was doing it for other people and it was a huge realization. So then and there, I was like, I don't need to do this anymore. I stopped racing. I spent the rest of that season just free skiing, skied better than I ever have. Like amazing, having a great time, just really, really good. Came back and I started working. And I've, you know, your question was around working. Uh And I'm a huge advocate for like working with a disability. And, you know, spinal cord injury, it's a complicated one because, you know, it's not assumed that people are going to work and other disabilities as well. But, you know, I'm speaking from my experience. And, truly coming from you know skiing and you know that kind of incredible life and inverted commas is incredible in some ways but crazy highs and mammoth lows and working nine to five you know I was so much more contented working you know I was in London and I was you know it was it wasn't sort of yeah I was just way way more contented for that so I will be an advocate you know for working as long as I live (laughs) you know yeah Yeah. and I think that that's what you said as well about the Paralympics is that you were doing it for other people. I think that's so like poignant as well as that it, it kind of got taken away for the, just the joy of it because there can be so much pressure on disabled athletes to kind of almost overperform because, you know, like you're doing like an amazing thing and like you're representing and that's so great. But at the same time, like if it's not making you happy, then it's not making you happy. Mm. And in the first place, the whole reason that you do it is because you love it. And once that love kind of gets taken away a little bit because, you know, you're, you're doing it all the time and you're kind of striving for the better all the time, which is incredible, don't get me wrong. But once you're constantly striving for better, it's, it's almost like sand because you're grabbing onto it and then it's, it's fleeting because you, you, you're constantly yeah. striving for more and more and more. Yeah. That's such a good analogy. Totally. Yeah. And even when you do get some of it, you know, if you do manage to catch on to some of that sand, it's not enough, you know? No, and because you always want to progress and you always want to be better. And I was, I actually had this conversation with a friend of mine and I said, you know, for me, for CrossFit, like I just love, I just love doing it. It makes me feel great. I love being really like strong. I really love being really powerful, but I never want to get to the point where I'm in like the top three in the entire world. I was like, that would be my nightmare because there's only so much further that you can push you can't like once you're sat at number one you can only go down you can't really push that much more unless you're gonna like you know break some crazy barriers which I'm sure at some point you will or you can 
but for me that would be a nightmare so for where I'm sat right now I'm like yes this is like a perfect place yeah. to be like I don't want to jump up a crazy amount because it means at some point if I jumped up like 10 places then I'd only have like 10 more people in front of me and I think that's been... so I think that's so smart you know I remember listening to another podcast with um Johnny Wilkinson mm-hmm. I think it's quite a quite a common thing around reaching that pinnacle of yeah. success and actually in in like lots of different things people reach that that pinnacle yeah in sport or otherwise and they're not satisfied you know they they, they become deeply depressed because of you know yeah exactly and it's like the the amount of olympians who will you know they'll get the gold and the next day they're in therapy because they've done their goal yeah and I never want that I never for for myself for all goals in life that's like with this podcast with like the work that I do outside of this with CrossFit like I never want to be in that top like you know that top 10 percent where like there's only so far that you can go because once it's gone it's gone yeah love that love that because I and it's because I enjoy CrossFit so much I never want it for it to get to a point where I'm like this is just a chore and like I'm just doing this for the sake of doing it I'm not doing it for like because I've got goals like because I want to like deadlift 100 kilograms no I I I always want there to be like a goal that's like satiating and not just like fleeting yeah completely you know it's sort of funny we're talking about this this is not really something I've talked about at all but um, you know, I I do kind of competitive like water skiing or weightboarding. Yeah. So that that was something that I sort of discovered alongside skiing a little bit. Mm-hmm. And actually, I was I was much better at it than skiing. You know, I picked it up pretty pretty quickly and loved it. You know, it's amazing. It's yeah. also in the UK, and it was just a great you know sport for people with or for anyone. You know, to have a hobby like that is just the best thing ever. I think everyone needs an activity that doesn't involve going to the pub or you know going <laughs> clubbing or whatever like yeah. you know it's something that's good for the the soul and the body and the mind and all that sort of stuff um so I I started doing that and you know typical me got got really into it and I uh, was doing it super intensively um and went to the world champs I think it was 2019 mm-hmm. um this must have been just before the pandemic um in like Norway we had a team that went out there which was amazing really nice experience and you know pressure but not Paralympic pressure necessarily um and so I'm now kind of you know obviously the Paralympic is sort of the Paralympic pandemic um has has (laughs) kind of to get confused (laughs) um and I've I've sort of I did it a little bit last summer um, but not as much as I have done. And, and so I have this sort of, you know, work is I'm, I'm kind of on a career trajectory now, you know, I'm yeah. sort of moving forwards work wise and really enjoying it and you know, things, things are kind of happening there, which is great. And um, need to sort of give it the time that it, it requires. Um, but, you know, the next world champs is in Australia it's in 20, next year, I think something like that, so which is amazing, trend. obviously. So yeah, a fair bit of time. Uh, well, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, whatever. Um, and there's real, there's opportunities there, you know, mm. there's with my level of injury, there's a real opportunity to like break a world record, basically. I think I, I know if I put the time in, I yeah. probably regret saying this on air, um, <laughs> but <laughs> I think, I think it would be, I could do it kind of thing mm-hmm. in wakeboarding or trick skiing, not necessarily the water skiing, blah, 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 long story. 
but you know there's real potential there and that's it would be an amazing goal to have and an amazing thing to achieve um but I'm very much a few years ago that's everything and that is my life and there were times when I'd go five days a week down to the lake Getting a wetsuit as someone who's paralyzed, that's hard, you know, it's an yeah, effort. Be, Go know. and get in a, a lake that's not always that warm and sit behind a boat and you know, it's it's super intense and everything, but it was absolutely everything. And now I'm I don't know, I don't know where I'm at with that. Part yeah. of me, I love it, and I know I'll go back again on a lovely hot day. You should come by the way. It's fun. Be fun. <laughs> um and yeah, like it, it's, it's super, super fun. It gives me that adrenaline, all that gets out of the wheelchair, all of that stuff. But I don't know whether I want to compete doing it now. I just don't know. I'm not sure. It's, I mean, and I think it does happen. And like, you know, as a part and parcel, I think probably of being like a, like a major athlete is having to deal with that. What happens when the love for it and the want for it dies. And I just, I, I don't want that to happen. So like, yeah. I'm, happy, I'm yeah. happy staying in like mediocre lane where I can still push. <laughs> yeah, yeah, love it. So with all of this, and you've obviously been through like a lot, like you had quite a traumatic injury. You've then gone to ski for GB and then you've gone into wakeboarding and like, you know, complete life change, career path, all that kind of stuff. Would you say that there has been something you've learned about yourself, like a positive attribute? from this or alternatively if you if you haven't at all oh my goodness like yeah like so much good stuff Mm -hmm. really and I know this can be a little bit triggering for people to hear especially if people have not necessarily accepted their situation you know spinal cord injury or whatever but truly I'm so much happier than I I was then Mm -hmm. I think I'm a better person I have yeah everything is better (laughs) really you know I think I think the perspective I have and that doesn't just come from you know the spinal cord injury it comes from other things that have happened in my life you know difficult difficult situations um that have taught me about myself and it truly is from from the pain the growth comes you know yeah and yeah I I I can be hard to hear but for me I wouldn't take it back in a million years I just wouldn't you're nodding would you how where are you at with that so I recently got asked if like if I woke up tomorrow and I had two hands what would I do and I was like I genuinely don't know I think I would it would completely destroy me because I I don't know life without disability so for me, it would almost be like that flip of even though I become able-bodied, for me that would be disabling because I don't I don't understand how how life works with with like an able body. I don't understand how life works with two hands. Like I don't know how to clap my hands. That would really throw me. So for me, I would never ever choose to become able-bodied ever in a, in a million years because I I love my body. I love what it's done for me. I love how I've carried myself. And I, and I do think that being a disabled woman has given me a lot of positive attributes in my life. Mm. And I think it's very interesting when you talk to people who are also the same, because there are people who don't feel that way. And for a long time, I, I didn't realize that being confident in your disability wasn't a, wasn't a given. And it's only since like having more conversations about disability, do I realize that actually it's not necessarily the norm to be so confident and positive in your disability. And 
that's kind of why I started this because I wanted there to be some someone who wanted to listen to this and realize that actually just because you do have a disability or like you've got a disabled body does not mean that you can't be happy with what you've got and, mm. and make it work for you completely and, and like that's where I'm at with it is that I want people to realize that if they don't necessarily feel comfortable with it that's also fine but at some point you will become really comfortable with what you have and, and what you are mm. completely you know you saying that and me saying that you know kind of gushing about how how kind of how I wouldn't take it and things I think that Mm -hmm. is difficult for people to hear and you know in my experience you know spinal cord injury can present myriad of problems for Mm -hmm. people you know pain can be just excruciating issues with kind of bladder and bowels and awful awful stuff that is completely you know more than disrupt a person's life ruin you know it can really really stop people from yeah living their lives um so I I really it's super important to say that and the reason that I say this you know it's a pain for sure Mm. like I've got a wound on my foot at the moment which is not really one to clear up long story you know there's annoying stuff no shadow of a doubt and yeah for sure sometimes it'd be nice to be able to you know stand up and grab something in the supermarket or jump out of bed easily or not have people staring at me all the time you know when I'm trying to do my supermarket shop and you know asking if I need help all of that sort of stuff for sure there is not without annoyances and I I certainly would exchange some of those things um but you know for me and you asked that question and I kind of came in like straight away like you know without a doubt and for me that's just absolutely Mm -hmm. it's about the work that has happened to make that happen you know I read a book when I was fairly newly injured, when I was doing my PGC um, called Mindset by Carol Dweck. And she's Great like book. a, yeah, she's Great. like an educational psychologist. And it really, it'll stay with me forever. And that book, it just taught me, you know, when that thing happens, you know, when something bad happens, you think about, okay, what can I learn from this? What, mm. How can I use this? And And for me, I've just carried that with me. And that combined yeah. with, gratitude thinking about the good stuff and I do it like it's a sort of a real habit in my life it's something that I've built in that it's natural now that I just look and for sure sometimes I haven't slept well or whatever like and I've been in a bad mood I'm not always you know roses and daisies or whatever the expression (laughs) is but if you can see the good stuff if you can find it I think your brain looks to that stuff um, yeah, and that that is what it's not automatic that you're going to just find joy in disability by any means. And there will be people listening and they'll be like, what are they talking about? You know, that's that's bullshit. It's it's awful. this life. But if you, you can train your brain and you yeah. can look at that stuff, reframing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I think that what you say, like, it's so true is that you can re- you can re- hey, you can retrain your brain. That's why it's neuroplasticity. because your, your brain is literally plastic, but you can look for the goodness, even though it might seem really shit and also sometimes shock horror it is just shit <laughs> like that's it but doesn't mean that like you are shit and that life is shit just sometimes it is shit and also sometimes people who are non-disabled their lives are shit too sometimes they <laughs> have a really bad day you know something happens someone is is a dick or like and yes you know disability it comes with things but life can be it's hard for 
everyone kind of thing. And it's not, I think, you know, there's another conversation around that kind of victim complex, victim consciousness. And, you know, I think there's real kind of danger if someone is looking at their situation and and being the victim and blaming it, everything on that, you know, that's not helpful for anyone. And by pinning it on disability in my mind, and this is totally personal to me, Mm -hmm. and hopefully this isn't hard for other people, but to step out of that victim consciousness is is 100% the way forward as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I would I would be uh, inclined to agree with you as well, actually. So do you have a piece of advice for either a younger Sophie or a younger version of, well, not younger version of yourself, that's exactly what I just asked, a younger person with the same disability as yourself? Yeah, I would say connect mm-hmm. connect with with people connect with people in a similar situation like when I was first injured and I feel a, a level of shame to admit this but I was like I don't want friends who are in wheelchairs like you know I was I would yeah not that I had anything against them but it was you know certainly internalized ableism there yeah. for sure um and and when I realized it was kind of like skiing and also I remember the first time I went down to like the lake that I used to water ski at or I do water ski at and I met a group of women who were a similar sort of age to me they were sort of in their early 20s and I just like looked around and I was like there are people like me and they're cool and you know they're they're, and it was just those conversations that you can have and I don't know what I would do without my friends you know some of my closest friends most of my really good friends are in a similar situation to me because they yeah. get it you know they they have that level of experience not only with you know the disability but about life you know yeah they have that that sort of that depth that other people don't necessarily have not to say that other people don't have but <laughs> yeah I just connect that was a very long answer but and and that goes for anyone you know disability or not again find someone who's been through what you're going through whatever and yeah that's them. so true do you find there is one question about your disability that annoys you the most? So for me, it's generally, how did it happen? Or alternatively, one that I got a lot when I was little was, did a shark bite your arm off? Like, so those are the two for me. Every time someone asks them, I'm like, oh, like, oh, it's just like a little bit painful. Do you it's have jarring, isn't same? it? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, I, What happened to you is boring. I, you know what really bugs me when like professionals like doctors ask that and it's like you're asking it because you're curious like you don't need to know that I have a spinal cord injury that is all you need to know <laughs> yeah. so if I'm in a bit of a bad mood I'll say that to them it, yeah it really did I said it the other day to someone like you don't need to know that <laughs> I don't remember but yeah that that really that really annoys me. Another classic question is, can you have sex kind of thing? It's like, oh, come on, use your imagination. They this is not the first time that I've heard that. Yeah, all the time. People have fixated on it. And it's like, yes, yes, I can. Yeah. And thanks very much. Anymore, but <laughs> <laughs> My friend Dom, who is one of the first episodes of this podcast, also has the same, he has cerebral palsy. And when he was younger, people used to come up to him on nights out and be like, so does it work? And he'd be like, so does what work? 
Mate. And people are like they amaze me people genuinely amaze me and some people who have like the gumption to ask these questions I'm like where were you raised yeah totally <laughs> so with all of this I have one final question for you and this is like my favorite question so Sophie can you say that you are disabled and proud yes I would, I would say so. I don't think I'd ever say those words per se, but what it means, mm-hmm. you know, and actually what having a disability has brought me, you know, in terms of, God, it's another long, long answer for you. In no, terms I'm of loving insight, these long answers. It's so good. <laughs> in terms of insight, perspective, bit of depth, wisdom. God, I sound like a, you know, a bore. But yeah, like in terms of that stuff, perspective mm-hmm. and insight, what it's given me, I'm incredibly proud of that. And, you know, the resilience actually, probably more than anything is the resilience. It's the fact that something really awful can happen to me. And I've, you know, I've had a, my kind of, my fair share of crappy things to happen, you know, beyond things that I've mentioned in yeah. this podcast. But, you know, now when something bad happens to me, I truly, I can feel the resilience coming through and I'm like, it's okay. It's all right. You know, we'll get through it or think of another way or something like that. And, I, yeah, you can't put money on that, you know. So yeah, I feel proud, proud of what it's what it's given me. Oh, amazing. Oh, thank you so much for coming on today. I think there's been so much insight and a lot about mindset, which I've absolutely loved. And like I'm so thankful that you came on. Thank you. Thank you so much for coming on my podcast and having a little natter. Absolutely, Brooke. I've loved talking to you. I've really enjoyed it. Oh, thanks so much. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of Disabled and Proud. If you've enjoyed the show, then please give it some love by leaving us a five-star review wherever you download your podcasts. It really helps us to reach more and more people each week. Plus, if you've got a particular highlight, then I'd absolutely love to hear it. Tag me on your Insta stories at Disabled and Proud Podcast.